0: Welcome to another podcast with Hive Think Media. Today, we're talking about the top startup mistakes that first time founders make, and specifically some of those mistakes that we made in our first ventures. How would we do things differently if we could go back in time and the most common mistakes we see other startups make and how to avoid them?
1: I'm Chris, your busiest founder.
2: I'm Michael, your ardiest founder. I'm Nate, your wackiest founder. And I'm Dylan. Your rash founder. A little itchy over there, buddy. A little bit. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Hopefully this podcast will help you. Um, this is the Business Buzz, where we're talking about the ups and downs of business, lessons learned, and new stuff in the world of business. So today, sharing our big mistakes and maybe what we would do differently if we go back in time. So I'll kick us off. For me, my I've got two mistakes. I've got way more, but two that I want to share. First one is that... I had my first little entrepreneurial thing when I was like 10 years old. I really wanted a PlayStation 1 and I didn't have any way of making money and Christmas was a long way away. So I asked my parents if I could mow the lawn and then also bug people around the neighborhood and see if I could mow their lawns. They said, yes, but you have to pay for your own gas. And so I just did the lawn hustle and mowed for like, 15 20 bucks a lawn got a playstation it was awesome but the biggest big mistake that i made was that i stopped doing it after that point like it was just all entrepreneurial things were gone now that i had a playstation and i, I really wish like if i could go back in time that's a, a moment i would jump back into and i would just keep it going and see what, I, what else i could do with it but The second one for me was when I finally returned to entrepreneurship, when I had my own guitar and voice teaching studio. Uh, The first year or so, I just thought of it like it was out of a music teaching, like out of a... It's a music store. You can just buy instruments and stuff. And so I was working out of there, renting like a little place from it, and I just thought of myself as an employee so like i didn't understand that i should be setting aside money for taxes and so when tax time came around like it really bit me in the ass and i had to pay all this money and it really really sucked and it it was super scary um and i didn't hear of any other people who had dealt with that and then like years later i've heard so many people say the same thing so yeah i would definitely uh save for taxes
2: yeah for sure yeah so that's awesome michael um the ps1 yeah, I man. Don't, I, I don't think I was around for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little older than you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not not too far off, though. I was a PS2 kid.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: PlayStation 1 was my first console.
0: Yeah. There you go. Xbox. For, for all those listening, uh, me and Chris just high fived. So, like,
2: air, air high fived. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, one thing that comes to mind for me is my very first venture to actually make money. Um, was through drop shipping. And I did a lot of research, watched a lot of YouTube videos about this magical thing called drop shipping and how you can make a store on Shopify. You don't even have to like carry the product, make the product, you basically are a middleman and just sell the product. Um, Basically like as you get orders um, on your website for a product, you then have a a API that orders it for you from like um, an account that you have set up. Um, And then the payment goes through you take a little bit extra of the payment um, because you overcharge for the product. Um, And then the manufacturer sends it directly to the consumer. So you're just a middleman. You never really even touch the product. Um, so it all sounds amazing and magical until you run into like things where, um, there's no quality control. You get a lot of complaints about the products that received, and then eventually it just becomes a a logistics nightmare, um, unless you really know what you're doing. And at the time I did not, um, so, and also what really stood in the way. So after I kind of did that a few times and then I figured out to actually order a product if you weren't drop shipping, you had to buy a lot of the product. You couldn't just order one piece of a product. You had to either do a sample, which was still more than one product. um, And it wasn't something I was willing to put money on. So it turned into a thing of, I just was stopped in my tracks because I wasn't able or like willing to make that initial investment and grow that even further. It's a pretty neat idea, but you also have to realize you're competing with so many people in a dropshipping space. Um, logistics are super scary um, in this space because you, again, you have no quality control. You don't know what the product look like, looks like because you never touch it. And then you're competing with Amazon. Um, so it's pretty impossible to actually make a lot of money off of it, and it unless you really know what you're doing. So I think Fighting off more I could chew
1: by myself was my biggest um, mistake early on Uh, I'm gonna hop on that because mine is very similar Uh, my first uh, business venture if you will was called made by Mississippi and it was for those of you local to Chattanooga very similar to the chat taste box or Chattanooga taste or whatever it is um, where it was just a box of Mississippi made stuff like you could get at like a farmer's market or whatever um i had a little bit of money from something that i used to buy everything and i was like all right i'm gonna buy like 50 bars of soap like mississippi soap and 50 candles and all this Um, and i did but the problem was i didn't have any buyers yet Um, and i still to this day have bars of mississippi (laughs) soap and it's been like I don't know, eight years,
0: (laughs) dude, you should bring those to the shop.
1: (laughs) I I might've thrown them away when we moved because they were looking a little Uh, uh, decrepit. I don't know, but I think I have some candles still, but they're, uh, yeah. So my, my mistake was buying a lot of product before I had interested parties to purchase. Um, and I had, uh, kind of absorbed this business from one of my friends and kind of did my own thing with it. Um, but I just, if, if I had kept going with it, I think it could have gone far. I could have partnered with like local hotel hotels and had little fun care packages for business execs and stuff like that. But instead, I just spent a bunch of money and uh, didn't sell any of it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so. it's
0: yeah. On on both years, like for Dylan, like it's it's scary to make that investment if you've never done that before. Yeah, so I can totally get that. Uh, took me a long time to to approach that even with my art business and, and that's, then yeah yeah
2: that's like the risk you have to be willing to take as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. because you aren't ever sure something's going to work yeah and that's why you have to try it out and make the investments. So. yeah and but, then
0: good yeah. on, i mean it's like good on you chris you made the risk you know
1: yeah and but, I, yeah. I i learned a lot from it so it was still valuable like uh before we actually started roasting out of new wave. I already sold a hundred bags of coffee to somebody. <laughs> We'd never roasted a single day <laughs> we had no proof of concept other than like, Hey, he's done. Luke's done this before our roaster. Um, and I like sold hundred bags to someone. I was like, Hey, we can personalize the logo, have like a company, uh, like gift. Um, and they enjoyed it and it worked. <laughs> but I was Heck like, yeah. all right, now we have to actually roast like, uh, you know, what's we need to do this. So, um, kind of maybe in the middle of those two is, is probably a good, the a sweet good spot. Place to be. Yes. <laughs> this week's yeah. <laughs>
0: no, for yeah. sure. So we got to hear Nate's failures and what he would do differently. Before we do that, Chris, do you want to share with us your book rep- recommendation?
1: Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, 12 and a half by Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, it's called Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. Um, basically, for those of you that don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a, he's a social media mogul, and he leans really heavily into kind of um, leaning with em- empathy and candor. Um, and this book is really good at spelling out pretty simply the 12 and a half or 13 characteristics it takes to be a successful business leader. And the half is because one of them he's working on still. The 13 are gratitude, self-awareness, accountability, optimism, empathy, kindness, tenacity, curiosity patience conviction humility and ambition and then the one that he's working on himself is kind candor um, it's really good it's very bite-sized chunks really accessible and great uh, leadership book to kind of have an introspective look at how you're doing yourself i bought 13
2: copies of that book <laughs> <laughs> for the book games and ft nice think
3: scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah nfts are going great all right nate what's yours <laughs> All right. Yeah. So thank you for that recommendation, Chris. Yeah. Um, so most of my mistakes in business can be linked back to like underestimating myself as an entrepreneur. So very early on, while I was in college staying business, I was always like the person who would just kind of tag along. Um, a lot of times people would approach me with ideas instead of me coming up with my own ones. Uh, not because I didn't have ideas, but just because like Don and Chris, I was like afraid of that initial investment. Um, I was so scared of like, what will people think of me? How will they react to this? Um, I'd say like more than like the money, that's the big thing for me that scared me. It's just like, how are people going to like, look at me if I go through this idea and what if it doesn't work out? I think a lot of people, they get intimidated by the fact of like, as an entrepreneur, a lot of times you're a small fish in a big pond when it starts out. So very much like my advice would just be to just go for it Um, because once we got like off the ground with a lot of our projects, it ended up becoming like I was the one who was doing a lot of like the on the ground work and it was so much fun. Like when we started at Leaker Magazine, creating uh, content about like local artists, that was incredible. I got to meet so many awesome people and I ended up just really, really enjoying that. And it inspired me and Dolan to go on to make Scenic Trend. And that would have never happened if we had not taken that risk. And I wish I had been more brave to try stuff like that before then.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's pretty common for people to not have confidence in their own abilities And then on the flip side to be over confident in their own abilities, but mm-hmm. um I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, you can lose lose a lot of money, and that's also (laughs) like a, a risk. But that's why, I mean, if you read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, there's a concept called MVP or Minimum Viable Product, and it's basically how can we test or iterate on something, a product or service, without having a huge investment up front. So, for example, with mine, instead of buying you know 50 candles and 50 soaps i should have just like bought a few even though it would have been more money and then like just got some sales and proof of concept first before i just dove in um i did not do that and i mean we know how that turned out um but that could be anything from you know if you want to open a coffee shop just start with a little like a table set up at farmer's markets and see if people even like your coffee um if you uh i don't know want to open a bookstore just start with like a tiktok bookstagram and maybe just like interact with local book people and then go from there i mean there's you know millions of ideas and uh you don't have to immediately jump in on the money side and you can just start uh just start small and see how it goes and grow from there
3: Yeah, definitely. And I want to add on to like all of us and all of like our mistakes have been very linked to fear. That's been a big element with all of us. And it's my opinion that the answer to fear is knowledge. And nowadays we live in a time where if you're unsure about how something works, you want to learn more about it, you have YouTube, you have Google, you have so many resources to teach yourself how to do anything. So if you want to make something happen, there are resources to go make that happen.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, so we're in the process of uh, expanding our bakery into bagel stuff and for a while i pushed off making my first batch of bagels because i was just like i don't know nervous i was afraid that it was going to taste bad like what if i'm bad at making bagels what do we do then um and then finally like a week and a half two weeks before the pitch that i had to do i finally made a batch and it didn't taste very good but it was edible and that was exciting. Yeah. And then I then I did another batch and I was like, okay, now and and I had done so much research, like literally probably twenty to thirty hours of YouTube consumption and um like recipes and just all of this content. And I had done it all and then I sat down to make my first batch and I was like, Okay, I've read all of this, but I don't understand what they're saying. And then I did it, and then batch two, I was like, Oh, Now I get why they said do it this way or why they said watch out for this because I've done it now with my hands. And so every time I've done a batch or an iteration of it, it's a little better – In All aspects and then I can also make either super minor adjustments or really big ones like, okay I didn't like how that recipe was. Let's use a completely different recipe or um, I didn't like how it rose there So let's try proofing it in something else Um, And you just get really familiar with it and start learning more and more and you can like become more informed like Nate said and uh, so like it's it's really good to do a ton of research and to be knowledgeable there, but until you get your hands dirty and like actually get in it, it's all just gonna be in your head. And it's not until you actually start applying the knowledge you have that you can start really pivoting and understanding why the knowledge exists in the first place. Dude, yes, a hundred percent. Like, super connect with
0: both of what you guys were saying. Like, fears so much a huge part of it. Like for me, it was like an identity thing too. I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur, like though I had done stuff and sold things and made money. And like even the seven years I was a guitar and voice teacher, I really never thought of myself as a business owner, though I was like, I just thought it was like, yeah, it's my weird little job that I do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, afterwards, like before I started new ventures, I got caught in like the, the research loop And so like, I I really had like a a entrepreneur phase of like deeply desiring to start a new business and then, but not knowing what the thing was or how I was gonna go about it. And yeah, really what you said, Chris, was like one of the huge big lessons for me, which was research a little before you act or often it's flipped. I act and then I research based off of what I realized I was lacking in. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I tried this, this part wasn't working. And then it's like just in time research. And that was like a huge lesson for me. Yeah. Thanks guys. This is super cool to hear about your guys' uh your past stuff. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Stuff I haven't thought about in a while too. Yeah. It's neat to uh, kinda go back and like put ourselves back in that that startup position of like experiencing for the first time i was just talking to a good friend of mine who really wants to do a food truck and he's kind of let that hold him back and we talked about that minimum viable product idea and like what would it look like to just set up anywhere and you know so anyways and let
1: me let me give the line to those people so if you are trying to do something and it involves making or doing something and you don't want to uh invest in The licensing and stuff this is the line that the small business development center gave me when doug and i were in hattiesburg doing bro cones which was our alcoholic snow cone stand they said i'm testing the market Um, no i'm sorry i'm a home-based hobbyist testing the market for viability and you can do that up to i think about five grand in annual revenue which at that point you're probably good to take the next step anyways but so like if you're like, I don't know if this is going to work and I don't want to spend money on a business license and do taxes and all that stuff like just if someone's like, "Hey, are you allowed to do that?" to say, "Hey, I'm I'm a home-based hobbyist testing the market for viability." You know, cuz I mean, do it. Dude, that that's like <laughs> to pass me and and as we've helped other
0: people and i've seen a similar fear of the red tape of like i can't get started until mm-hmm. i get the license and i do the thing and what what do i do with tennessee revenue department like all this stuff yeah. like that is like if i could tell my past self that that info it would have saved me so much time and okay. so much like headache so yeah if you're out there please just
1: do it yeah. and when in doubt meet with the small business development center the one in Chattanooga is uh, Lynn Chestnut and Josh Brown and Sarah Matson are the counselors, but there's SBDCs almost everywhere across the nation. We went to one in uh, South Mississippi. They're great. They're free or they're government. They're not free. They're, um, they're backed by uh, government funding and stuff. Uh, so it's a great resource and free to you. Awesome. Beautiful. Home-based ba- home hobbyists testing the market for viability.
2: I want that tattooed on my chest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So, all right, we got some more good stuff for you. So we're going to be talking later about what are some of the mistakes we see other startup founders make and how to avoid them. Uh, But before we do that, we're just going to take a quick word from our sponsor, which is... Us. (laughs) Us. <laughs> so we're Hive Think Media. We're a startup business accelerator that also makes startup focused content like this podcast you're listening to right now. We believe that startups are the answer to changing local communities all over the world for the better. And we're committed to helping entrepreneurs overcome obstacles so they can realize their visions. So visit us at hivethinkmedia.com to learn more. Now back to the show. <laughs> thank you dylan happy halloween happy halloween (laughs) all right so all right before we get into the biggest mistakes we see other startups make we have a couple questions from jessica over at the pottery place if if you're in chattanooga and you want to do some really fun pottery painting go visit the pottery place
1: i painted a dragon last week and it was glorious (laughs) it was super cool cool. dragon yeah a, a dragon little little mini dragon yeah, she fired it, and it looks way better than I thought it was going.
0: Nice. Yep. I need to see it. I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in person. She just sent me a picture. Okay, that's it. cool. great. All right. So <laughs> Jessica, the owner of the pottery place in Chattanooga, says that she feels, and I quote, that a top mistake founders make is not identifying their values or their why, meaning there's no real compass directing long term growth. To that end, my question would be something along the lines of, how does one identify their values?
1: Me, me, me. me. All right, Chris, you can go. You can. You want to answer this right. one? I, I, yes, I don't know anything about this. Now, I, if you've ever talked to me in any capacity about anything related to business, you'll know that I am a huge fanboy of Simon Sinek. Uh, my cats, one of my cat's names is Simon, and yes, it is after him. Um, so basically, he has this TED talk and book and all this other stuff called Start with Why, uh, and it talks about how you should start with your Why, uh, and your Why can be. A personal why it can be your brand or businesses why um even has a sequel called find your why if you don't know what your why is because it's way harder than you think because you're like oh i just want people to be happy and then it's like okay well let's ask three more times like why you want people happy well and then you just dig into it and you're like oh my gosh like this traumatic thing that happened to me as a child set up my entire value system for the rest of my life and has led me to feel that no one should ever feel that way. And now it's become my entire mantra, you know? So, uh, there's this, you know, it's different for everyone. Everyone has their own specific thing. But, um, if you look at the most successful businesses, both locally, regionally, and nationally, even internationally, the ones that really stick out are the ones that have a really, really crystallized value system or why. And so, You look at like um i i was gonna say patagonia but they've had some really bad press recently um because he well basically he gave away the business in a way that he didn't have to pay taxes on it um which is its own why but uh i mean if you look at what's a good example guys of uh like a really good why business the one that simon sinek uses is apple but um that was like 10 years ago as well yeah about our our green micro green (laughs) (laughs) a real one uh let's see uh well it, zappos <laughs> I don't know. yeah yeah, like, yeah i listened to a podcast about them recently so um funnily enough one of the founders of zappos owns exactly two pairs of shoes um and it's because they're his why specifically isn't that he wants a lot of people to have shoes his why is he wants to have the best customer service experience in the world and so to that end, it's not necessarily about the shoes, but it's about how can we make every person that we interact with as happy as possible. And so that's why, I mean, they started the whole trend of uh, free shipping back on like items, which is now huge with mattresses and stuff like that. They were the first ones to do that. Um, They started a lot of really cool, culturally uh, significant things. And it's because they wanted it to just be the best possible version ever. Um, and then the shoes were just kind of the medium, which is how we feel about becaffeinated. caffeinated. Uh, yep. Coffee's great, but also that's not why we're doing it. It's just the medium for trying to make people happy.
0: So. I can't think of other ones off the top of my head, yeah. but like when I think back to like my own experience, when I was like a guitar and voice teacher, the medium for me was music stuff, like teaching music, but really... The thing that I loved more than anything else was like helping people have those light bulb moments and just to feel empowered. Like so many people say I can never learn guitar or I can never get good at singing. Like I was just born not good at it. And, but I've seen like so many students in the past that Couldn't recognize if they were on pitch or not become amazing singers and people that couldn't even hold down a single chord of guitar like become amazing guitar players and that belief switch that happens in people when they when they get even like a small technique or something like that really for me was my why when it came to teaching and even as we're doing stuff with a hive thinking, we're helping people and doing like coaching and whatnot. It doesn't matter that I'm not teaching them guitar. Like the lipo moments are still there. The why is still the thing of taking someone who doesn't feel like they can do something to the place where they feel empowered and hopeful and inspired to do things. Anyways, I couldn't think of a different one, but that's just reflecting on that for myself. Like I was like, oh, that's cool.
1: Well, I Kind of ones that are easier to think about are nonprofits because their why is their business model. Typically, um, some local examples are so. One is Be the Change Youth Initiative, which is one of our really close partners. Um, disclosure: I'm on their board. I feel like I legally have to say that. I don't think I do, but uh, <laughs> and then we. I recently got to tour uh, with someone, the Austin Hatcher Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit specifically built for taking care of children and families undergoing pediatric cancer uh, treatments. Um, And they, it's really cool. Their facility is awesome. It's actually attached to clear story arts on the backside of that. Um, And they're like race car themed because the founders, uh, the Osborns, when their child was two months old, they found out he had, they had some sort of uh, pediatric cancer, Um, And I think they found out while they're at a race car event. I don't know if it was NASCAR or something else. Um, But so they'll work with a lot of race car oriented uh, businesses nationally. Um, And part of the therapy for the kids is like, you can build stuff and like, you know, make an engine, they have music therapy and all this other stuff. But what I love about them, and it's really interesting because um, so the founders, they lost their child about at three months, they've had more, uh, more children since then. Um, but so they they lost their child and kind of decided to do the, the nonprofit foundation um, because of that. And everything they do as an organization, you can tell, is from a place of someone who's experienced that that pain and that hurt and knows what it's like to go through that and never wants someone to also go through what they did and so not only do they provide resources for during the treatments and for the family including therapy and grief counseling but even if in the worst case the child passes away they still provide those services to the family even after the child's gone uh, which i've never heard of anything like that yeah. uh, it's it's amazing and it's all free to the families and uh the kids so I mean, uh, you know, how better can you just show your why than, you know, providing those sorts of resources even after, you know, the the dreaded might happen. So, um, it's very cool. That's so powerful. Yeah, super cool.
3: Yeah, and one thing I wanted to add on to this conversation as well is like, if when you're like very first starting out, you don't have like a solidified why yet, don't let that be a deterrent. Your mm. why should grow and develop with your business. Like mm. with Michael, with like your like coaching, you didn't like initially go into there knowing like for sure this is why I'm doing this. And say so with Bicafnade, our mission has like grown like very much as like it's gone on and as we become more connected with the community. So if you don't have like in your kitchen when you're starting to come <laughs> up with your idea for a bakery, you don't have to have like a giant mantra ready to go or nothing like that. Your why can grow with you.
0: That's a great point so bringing it back to uh, like some logistical practical things for someone that is trying to find their why this is i think one of the exercises in the book is just to have like get together with like a close friend or someone and ask them over and over again like what about me is the thing that like is special to you
1: yeah and find your why it it's basically a half work book and it has very explicit directions on how to do it all um, and they say it doesn't need to be too close of a friend because sometimes it can, like, uh, bias the reflection. So it's someone that knows you well enough to be willing to sit down with you for two hours and do something, <laughs> but not so close that they're, like, you know, they know you from, like, yeah, I watched you boo your pants in the fifth grade, you know, something like that. Uh, but it, it also, again, goes very in-depth into that. But, yeah, it, it has these series of questions that you ask. And um, what, I, what I find that helps the most is, You just ask, okay, well, why do I, like, why do I care? What is, what is something that I am doing that is unique and that no one else is doing and just makes me feel alive or passionate or emboldened? Um, And then, you know, for mine, it's, I want to make people happy. Um, But that's not, that's not necessarily a why. So then I'm like, okay, why do I want to make people happy? And then, so then I'm like, okay, I want to make people happy because I want people to feel like they're valuable and seen and that they matter. Like, okay, well, why do I want that? And it's mm-hmm. and it, you keep going, and eventually it gets to a point where there's not really another layer to dig into, and then that's probably your why. Um, and a lot of times it's really surprising when you dig into it. It's almost like self-therapy. Yeah, uh, It's like, well, how, why do you feel that way? Or how does that make you feel? Um, and you start scratching the surface to these repressed memories or um, just things that you didn't realize were, Uh, As impactful as they are Um, and it's really really fun to dig into your own psyche and realize Oh this random thing that happened one time has literally developed into my own like ethos logos pathos like entire psyche and it's because either I mean there's two types of people in the world there's people that something happens to them and they don't want anyone's ever go through that or have something happen to them and they want other people to also experience that and both can be negative or positive you could have you know my child dies of pediatric cancer i never want someone to have to go through that so i start a foundation for pediatric cancer research or um you know i get run off a road so now i become a road rage because i want other people to experience that so like it could be good or bad or it's you know uh i was treated someone said a nice thing to me made me feel really good so i want everyone to feel the way that i felt and so then you start a thing where it's like i'm just going to go around and tell people nice things so um you know it's those are the two types of people in the world and when you get to the root of like why and the origin of it it's really it's like a superhero origin story yeah start up here boom start up here or a villain origin story (laughs) (laughs) or that no i think that's beautiful
0: thank you yeah well cool I think it's about time we move on to what are those big common mistakes we see other startups making and how we can, we help other founders avoid those things. So any thoughts, any stuff that just pops to the surface? Actually one just popped in my head. (laughs) So, um, From our earlier time with Hive Think, when we were doing more done for you stuff for people, we had a lot of people coming to us, like wanting to get like a beautiful new logo, like they wanted to make the brand look a lot better. But they were so early on in their business that they, when we actually asked questions about what was going on in their business, we realized they didn't really have a validated product or service. They weren't making money yet, and they had like a perfectly good enough logo that they made on Canva or whatever, but they were putting all their time and energy into stuff that wasn't the important thing. So I think, I think that's like one of the biggest mistakes I see other people make is overvaluing the things that are important to them, but not thinking about like what's going to help the business grow and survive. And that's like a weird emotional mental thing of like, when you have this business idea, it's your baby. It's your idea that you've like been nurturing in your head for so long, potentially that when you actually start getting, boots on the ground actually doing stuff it can be hard not to like do it in the most perfect way exactly the way you want it when a lot of times you have to switch and become pragmatic and put a different hat on that says what's going to help this get off the ground
1: yeah and that's why the services we offer at i think Accelerator are so important is we focus on what is the next thing that you can do that changes either you or your business drastically um and I always like to encourage people to think about the biggest brands out there um so look at starbucks for example it's gibberish like starbucks means nothing the mermaid doesn't mean anything except it does now and so the brand informs the i mean the the business informs the brand not the other way around always yep. so you, it doesn't have to be like you know uh something that's really on the nose i mean it's hard to think of because so many aren't i mean Walmart's it's pretty on the nose the walden started it and it's a mart the walmart i mean that but, makes sense. but it's
0: not the thing that makes or breaks if it's yeah. going to be a good business
1: if it was called like dog mart well not that one but like yeah. you know i mean <laughs> well, sunflower oh. is a chain of grocery stores where i'm from like we know it's a grocery store because we're there but it doesn't i mean the name yeah. doesn't inherently mean oh it's a market 100
0: you know? percent. this makes me think about like Superman, like Mm -hmm. we think Superman and we're like, yeah, or Batman. We're like, oh my gosh, I freaking love Superman. I love Batman. But like, if you really think about that name, it's kind of dumb it's like superman is kind of like saying awesome guy you know and when i say that everyone's like oh that's kind of a lame superhero name but (laughs) if you got to experience 20 years of awesome guy being the the main epic character in amazing movies and comic books and shows we would be thinking about awesome guy in the same way we think of superman so like don't worry as much about the other the the stuff and just uh worry about what's going to make the business good like really serve your customers whoever they are
1: now there are such things as bad names (laughs) so you don't necessarily have to worry about those as much but the one i said earlier dog mart not a good name for walmart (laughs) yeah because it goes a lot either they're selling dogs or (laughs) they're selling things for dogs and that's not what walmart is so like there are bad names yeah but It's pretty obvious. The bar bar is pretty low. You just have to make
0: not a horrible misleading name. Yeah. (laughs) What do you guys? Any other
3: mistakes you see? Yeah. So jumping on to the analogy before of like, you know, your business is like your baby when you're starting out. Um, I think it's very easy to like look at other businesses around you as like the big bully kids on the playground. Um, and a lot of people get really scared of like competition and the idea of like, oh man, I have to be very like secluded or I have to like be very focused on like I have to be better than that other guy on and on the other side of town that's doing what I'm doing when really like what you should be trying to do is collaborate instead of compete and like looking for partners and be- like befriending these other people because you can get Way further by working together
0: that's beautiful Nate yeah no I think that's definitely human nature to to be like oh my gosh they're doing better than me and but yeah that's that's a way nicer and happier way of doing things
1: my one of my favorite recent phrases that kind of encapsulates that is uh, all ships rise when the water goes up Um, so if we all work on raising the water that we all get to raise together and yeah it's it's a lot more fun to have the default setting be how can we win together rather than how can i beat them because that's no fun i mean that's it's i don't know it's a little aggressive yeah and you can both win it's like why not yeah socialism for the win (laughs) just kidding i do not condone it um Yeah, actually speaking of that, so I have a kind of, you know, anecdote right now as we're, so we're building out the bakery and the bagel stuff and we have to come up with a name for the bakery, which we have not yet. But there was an entire branding concept that we had at least very strongly mentally developed that is happening now already with another brand Um, and they're bringing also bagels to town and the name is honey seed and it's montreal style bagels not new york style bagels and they're doing new york pizza um and the inside has honeycombs and bees and um like they're now hiring they're calling like i don't know it's so it's with our with be caffeinated and hive think like our branding is all centered around bees and honeycombs and all that Um, and then they came in and did that and it kind of destroyed the entire idea of what we wanted to do for the bakery Um, because if we did it now it'd just be like oh you're copying them so we've had to kind of take a step back and rethink on what we want to do for branding there Um, we have a couple of ideas but um, yeah so it's just an interesting development because we totally would have been like honeycomb or um, the honey bakery or something with honey which we don't want to do now both because we don't want it to look like we're copying even if we weren't, but also because from a branding perspective, you don't want people to get you confused. Yep. Um, and so I don't know. It's, I think it's making us be more creative, which might end up being a good thing. Um, we have some f- fun ideas uh, that we've been throwing around, but it's just interesting. The challenges that pop up because it's always going to be something like a great example is uh, so Sunnyside cafe in town is a, a drive-through coffee shop. And, they started building out their second location over on Summit Mountain Road, kind of near the Walmart, and, like, two months into renovating, Starbucks announced they are building their new location in the Food City parking lot right there. And that is just devastating for them. And then right around the same time, Dunkin' Donuts built their new spot at their original location, but right before them, so the traffic would hit Dunkin' first. So um, in those situations, my, my mentality would be like, okay, how can I not be a killed by this because that's that's scary dangerous and b how can i turn this into an advantage so if it were if it had been us we would have super pivoted into just everything is hyper local and kind of like either gone completely premium or completely commodity we would have either tried to price starbucks out or just try to match them um and i don't i don't know what Sunnyside has done uh i i don't i haven't been there recently but I mean they're still around they seem to still be doing pretty well um but it's just like there's always going to be these things that pop up that you have no control over so a how do you develop your why so that you always have this like golden compass or the the rose compass leaning your way um, and then b how do you set up an infrastructure with yourself and your people so that no matter what happens you you can kind of figure out what to do based on your values
0: no that's that's awesome i mean i really i think even that that scenario where it's like oh no the bad stuff is happening like yeah the process of starting any type of business is like bad stuff is going to happen yep. and you're going to hit obstacles it's not or, if
1: it's when exactly
0: <laughs> and i think that's that brings me to the the other like biggest mistake i see like startup founders make is that they jump in and they want a certain thing to happen in a certain time. And when things don't go their way, they get super, super down. And this is both on the micro side, yeah. the macro side, like big scale, like it's not moving forward as fast as you, as you want, or on the micro side of like, they went they went to make a post on Instagram and it didn't do well and it made them depressed. That's one of those things that like in retrospect, for me, after, after guitar voice teacher time, before all this, I tried to do like a creative coaching business and I was super stoked on it. I had one potential client, they loved it, but they were like, I, I think I'm on board, but let me check with my wife first. And then like ended up being a no-go after that. And I let that destroy me and like stopped the business, <laughs> which is so silly looking back because like I I fell into that startup founder mistake of, of not expecting obstacles and not preparing myself emotionally and mentally for like ups and downs. And so I would say that my big advice for like startup founders is like, expect it to be harder than you think, even if you're trying to be prepared for it. And just be that really having that why that like keeps you going. And I guess the other thing, like you were saying, is like, how, if you have friends and people around you to do that, that's huge. Cause I was, I was all alone. I didn't know like anyone else that was in business stuff. So yeah, definitely have some business buds.
1: Yeah. And my mentality every day is just like, okay, what, what bad things can happen today? And like, whenever we do big stuff, I'm like, okay, how, how is this gonna go wrong? And how do we make sure it doesn't make us close yeah <laughs> and like I, I mean it's literally how we go into everything and I, maybe that's why we've been somewhat successful is because we don't expect it to be perfect and it's definitely been informed by things going terribly and uh, when we were starting out i think it was lynn at the spdc said expect everything to cost three times as much and take three times as long as you're expecting i was like ah you're full of it that is i'm sure yeah yeah whatever and then he was completely right and like it's like when we were opening the first and it took a month for the water to be turned on and when i finally got a hold of them they're like oh we turned it on three weeks ago i was like oh you weren't gonna tell me <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just stuff like that yeah. um it's just it's not if if something's gonna go wrong it's What is it? When is it? And how are you going to fix it and be be stronger because of it? Yep. Okay. So something I see a lot working in the agency world and
2: having a CEO that talks about this all the time is making sure whenever you're in your business that you're not in it just to make money Mm. and that you're actually enjoying what you're doing because then it's going to get really boring and it's going to be something you end up hating that to do. And this happens all the time. (laughs) Like people will start their business and with the thought of this is going to make me so much money. And then they've only chosen this way of business because they think it's going to make them the most money. But what turns out happening is they're not going to like it for one. They probably won't know what they're doing. So they're going to get like, just beat out if there is any competition and then it's going to fail ultimately Um, if you're in it just for the money it will it will fail um, Mm -hmm. because you don't have the support behind it you're not gaining community you don't care about community you just want the money and that's not how it works and it's not going to happen
1: and going into everything with a student mindset and never assuming you know what you're doing uh, like i've been a barista for i don't know five or six years now and i still assume i know nothing about coffee I walk into the kitchen i'm like all right what can i do today that's better uh whenever i talk to someone that is also in coffee i'm like what can i learn from this person because i don't know jack diddley um a lot of people know a lot of stuff and if you go into things assuming you know stuff or just cocky or arrogant you're not going to get value that you might have been able to earlier and like i know there's just no room for improvement there
0: yeah all right, but last, last but not least, before we uh, close off, we're gonna do a little rapid fire. What's one cool thing in the world of business or marketing you think has been cool lately? Or if you don't have something like that, what's something going on for you in your business that you would like to share?
2: So, something I've told Nate about this earlier today, um, I don't know if I told you guys about it. Um, sorry, I just put down my coffee from Becaffeinated Caramel Latte <laughs> with Oat Milk not sponsored but so so something that i that instagram is doing um and this is like a little bit um of just something interesting but today october 31st it's halloween um at the date of this recording today instagram did a giant wipe of bot followers
3: a purge if you will
2: (laughs) a purge exactly so like um so (laughs) brands yeah brands i'm working with right now um like one brand has 136,000 followers. Another one has like 76, about 76 K. They lost each probably a few hundred followers just because they were like completely wiped out. I know my personal, which barely has any followers because I only follow people I know um, lost, or I thought I did because it lost like five followers because they weren't real apparently. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. just how they're like stepping up and doing that, which is good because um it a lot of people buy fake followers to like fool um other people into thinking they're um like serious about stuff or that they know what they're doing and that they're like an actual successful business, even when they might not be. Um so that's been interesting. Other thing interesting is Elon Musk buying Twitter last Friday. Um I've I'm t- I'm on Twitter sometimes, um and The environment is, it's becoming kind of like belligerent, if you will, like the environment. Yeah. Um, So everyone just seems very angry, and it's not a fun place to be in anymore. (laughs) Um, So that's just what's going on in the social media world. What do you guys got?
0: Nice. Uh, Something I found really interesting recently uh, is, I forget who it was, that tried to buy out Mr. Beast's YouTube channel. <laughs> but if you're not familiar with Mr. Beast, he makes like viral YouTube videos. He's got like a hundred million followers. It's insane.
1: And he's uh, got Mr. Beast burgers.
0: He's got Mr. Beast burgers. <laughs> and <laughs> Mr. <Big>. Beast chocolate. <laughs> and chocolate. Uh, he, just in general, His it's so interesting to see like awareness being like the main real like commodity. Like I've heard it uh, likened to Back in the day when oil was the thing, like the Rockefellers became super rich and famous, like it was because they had the the control of oil, and nowadays it's the control on attention. And so this brings me to someone trying to buy out Mr. Beast's YouTube channel for like one point five billion billion dollars that's with a freaking b (laughs) like that is just so interesting to me and really insane and it just makes me think like hmm some of the smartest people in the world right now they're just like going all in on building audiences because and then when you look at what mr beast is doing he's going into where burgers are and like freaking slaying it he's doing it with chocolate there's another uh podcast called full send podcast and they they did it with alcohol and like i think more and more all these commodities like are going to be overrun by people to have bigger audiences bigger brands and i just found that really fascinating
1: you know it's crazier he said no yeah because he knows he that he's said more, no, he more to 1.5 billion dollars
0: yeah, because he believes he knows that what he's got <laughs> going is going to be way bigger than that
2: yeah so it's crazy freaking nuts man you guys are mr beast do you take the money
0: if i'm mr beast i wouldn't <laughs> because mr beast it, i listen to a lot of podcasts with mr beast and if you hear what he says is like his why it's so clear to him every every single answer comes back to that he wants to make better videos Mm -hmm. like and people ask and like you said earlier about like when does the why run out when people ask like why are you so obsessed with making better youtube videos he says i don't know why it's just (laughs) in me like that's that's the that's the last point of contact it's like he just is obsessed with making better youtube videos so yeah so interesting
1: yeah I mean, Mr. Beast is a fascinating case study in, I would say, modern day um, wealth making. Uh, And I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk did a video on this recently where he talks exactly what you're talking about with how in the past you had the Rockefellers and you had, you know, the, you know, the Kennedys and these, you know, well to do families that used their family wealth. To generate more wealth and now you have the mr beasts of the world who are taking just something they're just either funny or entertaining or they find this niche that they're able to provide value in and then they build an audience and capitalize on it and then use it to and you know like when he started the burgers they weren't good but you know what he did he, he kept improving them but he just did it. He just he just started it. Yep. Same with the chocolate. They just started. They're like, it doesn't matter if it's bad right now because we have the audience. We're going to try it, and we're going to get real feedback from these people, see how we can improve. And now, from what I understand, the burgers are pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if the chocolate's better yet. But, I mean, it, and it's just because, like, they already have the audience. And so that's, I mean, not to... Not to compare myself to him at all, but with the bagels, we already have an audience with b We already have people that are coming through every day. Um, And so we have a built-in customer base for the bagels and the baked goods. And we'll be able to, I don't want to start off with bad bagels, obviously, but we'll be able to run it in real time and have real feedback and say, hey, this was good or wasn't good, and then build that out. And then who knows, maybe we'll open a bagel shop itself, or maybe we'll just do a lot of wholesale Uh, There's a brand out of New York City that ships out. I think they said 80,000 bagels a week um, frozen Yeah, you can just order a box of bagels to your doorstep and they send it next day um so like, you know, it's it's just fascinating what he's done and what the future looks like. Because you have like the Bell Delphines, the Melios the Kardashians. You have all of these people that are leveraging their personal brand to build businesses huge with businesses. products and services. They don't have anything other than just they've yeah. provided an advantage value. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yep. So building off of uh, talking about personal brand, uh, another person that's been in the news a lot lately is Kanye West, mm-hmm. and well, I don't want to get into like the politics at all of what's going on with him. What's really interesting is seeing how he is losing a lot of his sponsorships, a lot of them like very like long term um, programs he's had going with lots of like very big businesses. And I think that's been really interesting to watch because we could be seeing like a really big shakeup potentially in the future in how brands interact with celebrities. And I think that could be really interesting because we haven't seen something on this scale in like a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like he's losing like millions of dollars and like the scale of the different brands he's been working with, like Adidas um, and some like very like fancy like clothing brands that have been dropping him. And yeah, I feel like we're gonna see some big ramifications of that in the future.
1: I think it's an interesting cross section of cancel culture with like ethical spending and values because like cancel culture obviously has its place where it goes too far and is too reactionary. But also like sometimes it's good for people to be held to you know the standard of hey if you say this you know racist or wrong or mean or whatever thing like you should have a consequence sometimes it goes too far sometimes they're wrong or fake or whatever um but then also there's been a huge push especially with millennial buyers of ethical spending and ethical um brand considerations and so i think this might be an interesting uh joining of the two as we go forward and like the brands themselves are doing it which is cool um like i'm immediately the day after he said those things i think it was adidas they're like hey we're like they just completely dropped him." Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm curious to see if in like 10 or 20 years if the brands that are the people start changing things like imagine if kanye instead of tying himself to like adidas if he had made his own line of shoes you can't cancel yourself right like he wouldn't have dropped himself and so maybe maybe it's either a really good thing because like it separates it or maybe it's a really bad thing because uh you know if there was i don't know like a james charles something and then he had all of his stuff happen and like instead of i don't know people would have either stopped buying it or just wouldn't care so <laughs> i digress
0: yeah I and mean, it's it's wild like <laughs> You know even go back to like the mr beast thing it's like because you have brand, you have so much power but like with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know that's just one of those things of like the the whole reason why people would want something from like uh, a mr beast or whatever it's because by buying something that is mr beast you're associating yourself with the way you see them so you're like mr beast generous fun silly like you know, entrepreneurial. And so you were like, oh, if I have something like a Mr. B shirt, then I get to say, I am part of that club even just a little bit. And then on the, the, the flip side with Kanye, it's like whatever you felt about him before, now if you want to associate yourself with him, you also have to take in the bad stuff that you know has happened. Mm-hmm. I, Casey Neistat made a really interesting video uh, response about Kanye, cause he had met him like a few times, like very, very briefly throughout like his career and had always really been like, oh, this guy's so cool. Like, look at all these things he's done that's gone up against like hardship and like made these things happen in, in, in spaces where it's crazy that it could be made to happen. And then he was just like so mad because he was like, Why did you ruin it? Like, because (laughs) you can't not look back and have that filter now of, of what you've done. So I think that's just one of those big things of like, what is the next step for the business that won't make it go out of business? And it's like, that's something to constantly be thinking about, you know, whether it's on the public eye kind of thing about, you know, accidentally putting your foot in your mouth or intentionally putting your foot in the mouth. uh, Or just like you're always one small misstep from like potentially throwing things away.
1: Well, and I think that's why it's so important to be so careful about like, you know, there's the separation of church and state. I I personally believe that there should be a separation of business and whatever the hell your founder thinks or believes, um, like I have very particular set of beliefs and values that the business exhibits a lot of them, but when it comes to politics and like a lot of other stuff, you can't find anything on becaffeinated social media that has to do with politics other than go vote That's literally the only political stance we've ever taken and that shouldn't even be a stance in my opinion Yeah um, And I think that's really important and I'm gonna give two case studies on this one Will Smith So kind of what you were talking about No one would ever have had a problem with you being a Will Smith supporter until the slap that he did um, Last year or this year or whatever um, and now it's like yeah, if you, if you if you wear a Will Smith thing, it's like, okay, you have to absorb everything that that stands for now. And so imagine if there was a Will Smith brand that's like, I don't know, Will Smith shirts or Will Smith glasses, whatever. Um, so when you wear them now, even if you already owned them, if you've owned them for five years, if you wear them now, it has an implication. Whether or not, you know, you believe that or if it's just glasses or whatever. Uh, an interesting case study, like I said, is, okay, what about Chick-fil-A? So Chick-fil-A has very vocal beliefs about certain things and some people will not eat there because of those beliefs and some people that support things that chick Fil A does not still eat there because they just like it that much um so like where's the line between business brands and like personal brands and where should it be and i mean it's all a personal decision but i really think that like a business has no responsibility or right being political unless you're a political business. Like that's the only time I think you should talk about stuff is if like, that's the whole yeah, idea. If, that's what you're about. if your why is I want dogs to be on the voter registration docket, then sure. Yeah. Like make your thing about that. But unless it's that you probably shouldn't be talking about it. You shouldn't get controversial. And if you have a personal social media as an owner or a leader, it should be private first of all. <laughs> and second of all, if you ever say or do anything controversial just be aware that anything can be screenshotted anything can be used as quote blackmail end quote and once it's on the internet it's there forever so like just be really careful next time you decide to do anything like that because <laughs> it can be used against you and that's why i'm very careful with who i'm friends with on be real you know <laughs> <laughs> another thing um
2: So apparently, since we were talking about Elon earlier, he's thinking about bringing back Vine. You guys (laughs) remember that? Ooh. Yeah, wow. Vine? So how do you think Vine, if it comes back, is going to fare against TikTok, which has become the biggest social media platform downloaded ever?
1: I I think they'd have to find their shtick
0: again. Yeah, which very well is probably not what it was before.
1: Yeah they'd either have to find a, weird, a fun time oriented thing or just build out a really good UI that's based around making like really high quality, short term videos. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's a spot for them. Yeah, <laughs>
3: Yeah. I
1: don't know what do y'all think. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I, yeah, my vibe too.
3: I can only see it really like su- um, succeeding like as like a novelty, like honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just as like a thing of like, oh wow, Vine's back. And you know, I feel like there'd be people in me and Dylan's generation who were like hardcore into vine i know i had those friends who like that's the only media they consumed for like a while it was just yeah. like vine compilations like nonstop. i never gone vine i have no experience with it but i still feel like i absorbed so much vine like media and culture just because it was so like just everywhere for us oh. mm-hmm. so i think even if like it did come back and like it the same way it was the day it like shut down i think it would not grow per se, but that it could probably like retain like a small audience just from like the novelty of it's fine.
1: Yeah. Well and there's been conversations about its resurgence ever since it closed down. It's always called Vine 2, Vine 2.0. Um and I I mean there's I, I didn't have Vine either, but after it closed I started watching Vine compilations on YouTube and that's where I consumed all of the content. And now I can quote a Vine just as well as the next guy. Um but I think they would have to niche themselves as the short, funny video thing. Because TikTok is everything now, right? Yeah, It's businesses. It's comedians. It's short, funny stuff. It's long, funny stuff. They, they kind of lost their unique personality. Yeah. But not, not for a bad reason. Like, they're succeeding. But it's because they're the only ones there right now. They kind of took Instagram Reels, uh, you know, strength and put it with vine strength and then just became the place and it's because they built out the ui so much so if vine was able to come in and like like put parameters on and say like this is where, where are these people then yeah. that's how you bring people in I,
0: I i get that but i also feel like that would be really impossible to do because it's just the the tools are there and people of different types are going to use the tools and if they start working like then Yep. Vine's not going to stop that from like changing. So I feel like the real thing would be actually this. Is, I'm really thinking about this because like YouTube is the the best monetization. Like they give the most money to creators of any platform, and like TikTok some people have the ability to get some money from it and like Instagram and Facebook it's, it's a little amount. Yep. Uh, but like if vine came in because it's where the, wherever the best creative is, is where people go because that's where they're going to be the most surprised and entertained and whatever. So if vine maybe had some unique time thing, maybe they really did keep it to that six or seven seconds, like super short, but they, they, paid creators the best per amount of stuff that happened people would flock to and it would be creating like a demand for like unique content there well and yeah maybe their unique
1: thing is like you know uh, power to the creatives yeah money to where it belongs sort of thing because i I
0: imagine like if you're on tiktok and you're like oh it's like my youtube videos which take a lot of time and effort made me three thousand dollars this month and tiktok made me 20 bucks and if you're like oh vine is comparable to you know youtube like creators would go over there As, even if it was like a, with an exclusive thing like you can't post this stuff elsewhere or whatever like they do like a joe rogan on spotify where he only can do his long form videos on spotify yeah. anyways interesting stuff mm-hmm.
2: yeah i like them yeah i like that uh kind of like taking the influencers based on who pays the most, it'd probably turn into something like that. Like they yeah. are saying, um, also do you guys remember how Yik Yak came back for like, well, I mean, I guess it's still back, but like it was only relevant for maybe a month yep. after it's like resurgency. So I'm kind of worried that would be about the same outcome. I think Yik Yak was for millennials. What Vine is for Gen Z, mm. um, and like popularity and, i also but never used. used yeah,
1: yeah. yeah same <laughs> i never used any of them so yeah huh. yeah i just cool. got an instagram last week personally <laughs> yeah you did
0: <laughs> you want to shout it out no you no <laughs> <I do not. laughs>
1: it's like facebook but with pictures <laughs> oh okay, oh, okay. <laughs> i had no idea I, he- I heard you can uh you can be real on there too right you can be anything you want thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> thought we have a
0: button i'm really proud i remembered which button that was it could have been anything yeah
1: all right so my final thought on cool things uh so i've been listening to michael's gonna laugh how i built that how i <laughs> built this with uh guy Roz. you can do it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, just I just, it's actually really good I it's a really it. good podcast i've become a prophet for him of sorts but uh one of the podcasts that I had no idea would be as interesting as it was, was about the guy who brought Power Rangers over to America. And I just love how it happened. So he was in Japan doing whatever he was doing, trying to sell something in a hotel room and not sell something in a <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Those wow. are my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> there were like three channels on the TV, two were game show networks, and one was just Power Rangers on like 24-7. And he was like, huh, when you, when you put on the helmet, like you don't know who it is. And so long story short, he figures out how to gain the rights to use the scenes from Japanese Power Rangers where they're wearing the helmets. And he came back to America, pitched it to Fox Kids or whatever. And the only thing he had to film were the scenes where like, the high school students were talking and doing stuff. And so all of the fight scenes where they're wearing stuff is just footage that he bought from Japanese Power Rangers. So his budget was insanely low because he had to do no special effects. He just needed a high school backdrop and a bunch of white kids that, like, dressed up as Power Rangers. And then he just, like, filled in the, the rest with the stuff he bought. And so it turned into one of the most successful children's TV shows. And it was just something he did just creatively. So uh, I say that to say... There's so many interesting opportunities out there and you just have to be a little creative sometimes on how you can do it because you thought, hey, you know, I'll just buy the rights to a Japanese kids like show. And just then, the
0: fight scenes. Yeah, just the fight <laughs> scenes and
1: then refilm it over here and do that. And then he actually started off by doing uh, musical compositions for cartoons because on TV you're paid for compositions based on airtime. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I want to do it for, like, the Cosby show or whatever. And there's not a ton of music on sitcoms, there's, but there's a ton of music on kids' shows. So he specialized in kids' cartoon music and got paid a lot of money because, like, two-thirds of a kid's show is music. Um so that's how he got his money. And then bought Power
0: Rangers fight scenes from Japan. So crazy, man. <laughs> he's an entertainment arbitrage ninja.
1: Yep. Power Ranger. If yeah. You will. yeah, just oh, a Power yeah. Ranger. <laughs> he's just a Power awesome. Ranger. Go, go, Power Rangers. Hey. He also wrote that theme song. Nice. And a lot of others. Inspector I mean, Gadget. He oh, wrote dang. That. Oh, sheesh. Yep. Very talented guy. Good man. <laughs> Bless you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so loud. Um, on that note, not the sneeze, but the GoCo Power Rangers mm-hmm. one. Uh, I think that's about a wrap, right? Right, boys?
1: You want to sign off with singing the Power Ranger theme song? I'm just kidding. You no, know. nah,
0: I'll just, I'll pick, I'll, I'll, j- I'll close my eyes and pick a random sound button on this podcaster thing.
3: Perfect. That All right, guys, random, remember,
1: yeah. I'm Chris, the busiest
0: founder. I'm Michael, the artiest founder.
3: I'm Nate, the wackiest founder.
2: And I'm Dylan, the itchiest founder. <laughs> Racist, That's me. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and that's
1: Hive Think Media Podcast.
0: Oh, I'm Chris. I could do a, a professional outro. Okay, bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't put that. In.